to kids being killed waiting for school buses. Uh, it's just amazing how people just keep doing what they want to do without any thinking of any consequences going on with it, and our hearts just break over it. In fact, I feel sorry for both sides of it, you know, because it, it happened and it has to be a horrible thing, uh, and it's just one of those deals. And, but we need to look at the positive side of other things in life. Sometimes we get so focused on the negative, we forget what's positive and what's going on. I thought this morning, I thought it's, oh, it's a great day when you can put one Facebook post about time change and hit three different families with the last name Smith. Uh, I knew I was going to hit two of them, but I forgot about my daughter. Last name is Smith. And she, last night she was, really, Dad, you had to bring me into that? I said, no, 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 the other Caitlin Smith, you know, type thing. Uh, so I thought I'd apologize about that, but when you're preaching truth, truth is truth, you know, so you can't do anything about it. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Because I told you to set your clock back only a half an hour, so. <laughs> and then, yeah, there you go. And then the second thing this morning that actually made my days when I could get Jimmy to tell me he hates me twice and smile about it. I, I'm going to... He was sneaking cookies early, and I said, I'm not going to tell anybody you're sneaking cookies, Jimmy, you know, just kind of real loud. He goes, I hate you, and uh, real loud, and then I had the music going out here, and he was trying to figure out how to turn it off. I had the remote in my pocket, and I just reached in, clicked it, walked by. He goes, I hate you, and he's laughing. Today, we want to talk about staying positive, being enthusiastic. It's one of those words that we kind of look at, and it's like, we see enthusiasm where a lot of times? Sporting events. People become nuts at sporting events. I don't care if it's basketball, football, soccer. I mean, they will yell for the other team and become almost obnoxious about it, and they don't care who's around. They don't care who sees them. But then all of a sudden, we come to church, and what happens? We're going to say amen, but it's going to be Amen. Or, you know, we want to raise our hands and worship. That's going to be, I don't want to see me, you know, type thing. And that enthusiasm seems to wane. Not that we're not excited about Christ. Not that we're not excited about being in church. But it just doesn't show as much in our life. See, there's two types of people in the world today. One is the one that lets the environment determine enthusiasm. So in other words, if things are going well around you and everything's happy, you're at a carnival, you're at a sporting event, I'm going to be enthusiastic, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to be happy-go-lucky and all those things. But then there's the other one whose enthusiasm changes their environment. You're the one that walks into work when nobody wants to be there on a Monday morning. And because of your attitude, because of your smile, because of your actions, it changes the surroundings of them or for them. So you're one of the two categories Either you let those around you determine it, or you determine that enthusiasm. There's a word we kind of use in the church called entheos. It simply means in your outline, in God. Okay? Pretty simple. It means to be filled with God. It means to, it's the study of God. And it's actually the root word where we get the word enthusiasm. That we're in God. We're enthusiastic about who he is. So let me ask you this question. Where does this enthusiasm come from that we're supposed to have as Christians, as believers, as those of us who know we're going to heaven one day? Where does that enthusiasm come from? I'm going to tell you, if you let the world determine it, it's not going to happen. If you let circumstances determine it in your world, it's not going to happen. You see, this enthusiasm that we're talking about, where David talked about in Psalms 51 about creating 
this new spirit within us, it comes from an intimate relationship with God. It comes from that intimate relationship with God. It's not just the mood that we feel. It's just not something that just happens that if I'm lucky enough and I have enough coffee in the morning, then I'm going to be in a good mood. Of course, coffee doesn't hurt my mood. I'm guaranteeing you. You know, it keeps me from killing people. You know, so that's a good thing. You see, this intimacy with God is the result of an intimate relationship that we have day in and day out with God that reminds us one day we get to go to heaven with him. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 15, verses 57 and 58. He says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory. Victory over what? Over sin and death. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully. The NLT translation actually says enthusiastically to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not useless. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times where I'm going to do something and I'm excited about it and I love doing it and I can't wait to do it. There's other things that I do. It's just like, oh, I got to do it. Writing a newsletter article. Couldn't Linda will tell you. She'll tell me every month, it's newsletter time. I don't care. You know, then there's other things I absolutely love to do and we're supposed to do it enthusiastically. So understand this. In your outline, it says this. When we work... We work for the Lord. Okay? When we work, we work for the Lord. What does that mean? That means that when we do our work, we're not doing it, as the Scripture says, for other people. We're doing it for God. We're doing it to let God's light shine through us. We're doing it in all those reasons. That doesn't make a difference what everybody else says, but we're doing it for God. So the second part of that is this. When we work, we work for the Lord. When we work, we work enthusiastically. Okay? In other words, we should be happy about it. We should enjoy doing what we're doing. Yes, it may be tiring. Yes, it may be one of the most boring jobs you can think about doing. Yeah, it may not be where a lot of people are going to see it, but we still do it enthusiastically. Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart. Catch what he says. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do. When I was in Hayworth, we were having some issues at Hayworth, and I had a couple people kind of having this power struggle thing going on. One was my treasurer who made himself CFO, chief chief financial officer, and we were going back and forth, and I said, you're not chief financial officer, you're just the treasurer, dude. You know, you tell us, yes, you know, we have this money. No, we're kind of short this time, but, you know, all this. And so they actually had T-shirts made when they were going to leave the board, and they had whatever put on it. I'm thinking, you don't read the Scripture right, guys. You know, it's not mean, just whatever. It's whatever you do. We do it for the name of God. When we work, we work enthusiastically. You see, enthusiasm, understand, is not a product of environment as much as a posture of the heart. Another word you could use is condition of the heart. How's your heart right now when we do a heart check? When we look at our heart of hearts and why we're doing what we're doing? When it's midnight, you're not done yet, and you know you got to get up early the next day, and we struggle, and we're going, why am I doing this? We do it 
because it's a heart issue. And we need to understand that. If you remember, Paul was in prison. I mean, Paul was in prison almost more than he was out of prison. He was beaten and he had all these things going on. How could Paul be in prison, be in chains, being abused? How can he continue to pray? How can he continue to praise God in those situations? It was born out of the spiritual intimacy that he had with God. In other words, it was in those times when it was the darkest. It's in those times when he felt like nobody else was around. It was in those times that this overflow that he had because of who God was in his life just came bubbling out. It didn't make any difference what was going on. He was going to praise God. So I want you to look real quick back in 1 Samuel 17. This entheos of God or of David that David had for God. In 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 46 says this. So David said to the Philistines, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He says in verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Pretty graphic. But catch what David is saying. I mean, this is actually being enthusiastic. David's enthusiastic about this. He's kind of liking this because he knows he's got God on his side. So where did this come from? Where does enthusiasm come from, from David? Number one, David trusted God daily. In 1 Samuel 17, 36, if you read this whole story, it tells you when David killed a lion, David has killed a bear, and now this Philistine is not going to be any different. Okay? David knows because of his daily trust that he's put himself with God in, that he's going to do this. The second one was he walked with God daily. Okay? He walked with God daily. That's why in Psalms 23, he goes through the Lord's Prayer. Talking about walking with God through these aspects of life that even though he may face death, he fears no evil because God is with him. And the third one is this. He worshiped God daily. I mean, do we truly take time to worship God daily in what we do and say? Again, we see it in other things, I mean, I know people that will set aside time during the week, especially during football season, from Monday night football, Thursday night football, Sunday afternoon football, and they won't miss it for the world. But when it comes to church, eh, no big deal. We'll just go do whatever we want to do. We won't worry about it. You see, trusting God, walking with God, worshiping with God, being filled with God is what it talks about being enthusiastic for God. But you also have to look at David's life. And there's two seasons in David's life that I want you to see. The first one when David was a king and then when he was a kid. How David went from serving with spiritual enthusiasm to literally losing that enthusiasm. David as a kid in 2 Samuel 17, 48 Remember David, just a little guy? He's not even allowed to be in the army. His dad sends him to the front lines where his brothers are at, and nobody wants to fight this Philistine. And David goes, I'll do it. No big deal. 
And listen to what it says in 2 Samuel 17, 48. It says, as, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Little guy, big guy, okay? Reaching to his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. I love what Scripture says, and it sank in. Okay, it didn't graze off. This rock hit square between the eyes, and it sunk in and crushed his skull. And Goliath tumbled and fell down to the ground. See what it says. David ran, took a stone, hurled the stone, hit Goliath between the eyes, and watched it sink in to his head. And once Goliath falls to the ground, David says, Who are you to come against my God? Okay? He's enthusiastic. Man, nothing's going to stop him from serving his God. But now watch happens. what happens when he comes a king. Okay? In 2 Samuel 11, 1 and 2, David is a king. And where's he supposed to be, if you remember your studies? In the spring of the year, kings are supposed to be off in war. Okay? He's supposed to be fighting. But listen to what it says in verses 1 and 2. In the spring... At the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. He sent the men out. David stays. Verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. Okay? Seemingly no problem. But what does David see when he's walking around on the palace roof? David says, whoa. Check out that girl on the other roof. Okay? Again, no problem yet. Okay, I recognize a pretty girl. No big deal. But what he does after that, one thing leads to another. So understand this. I should have put this in your notes. David proves it here. When you are where, when you are where you're supposed to be, you tend to see what you're not supposed to see. When you're not where you're supposed to be, you tend to see what you're not supposed to be. David's supposed to have been in war. If he'd have been with his men on the front line, he wouldn't have been in the palace. He wouldn't have been on the roof. He'd have never saw Bathsheba. He'd have never said, oh, somebody better go get her so we can minister to her. Okay? But he brings her to the palace. You see, as a kid, David, with enthusiasm, ran into battle to serve his God. But as king, he became apathetic. David walked on the roof to serve his comfort. How did a man who had so much enthusiasm as a kid turn and lose all of it? Actually, when you think about it, it's pretty simple. He took his eyes off his calling and put it on his comfort. Took it off his calling. He took it off of God and what God wanted for him. He wasn't enthusiastic for God anymore. Why? Because he was a big king now. He could do whatever he wanted, and he wanted his comfort. So I'm going to ask you a tough question. Which best represents us this morning? Are we charging into battle? Are we enthusiastic for what God has for us? I think we've got to remember what Revelations 2, 4, and 5 tells us, what Jesus is talking to the church of Ephesus, where he says this. He says, yet I hold this against you. He says, you've forsaken your first love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. All I want to tell you is this. Maybe we need to look back at what we used to do in our life, where we trusted, where we walked, and where we worshipped our Heavenly Father. 
and we truly worship him. David cried out in Psalms 51 that we read earlier, where he says, create in me a pure heart. I think David's saying, okay, God, once again, recreate this pure heart in me. He says, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. The joy of that salvation, the happiness of that salvation. The joy of the Lord is my strength that we sing a lot of times. We need to share that joy that we have. And it says, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Man, just do these things for me, God. You see, enthusiasm is not a product of environment as much as it is as a condition or posture of our hearts. It's a heart conditioned more than anything. So think about how enthusiasm would change the climate around us. Just not at church, but at our work and in our homes. Serve God in my job, and I'm going to do my best. I'm going to leave it all on the field. That when I walk in there, I'm going to be refreshed, but when I walk out, I'm going to be wore out. When you're home, excited to see us. When we watch TV or play and do all those other things, we do it with a joy and a blast. So someone says, you want to go to church today? And they say, I can't wait to go to church. Can't wait to get there. Because let's be truthful. I mean, we've got to be honest. There are some Sundays we don't want to get up, do we? And Really, nobody? Am I the only one, really? Thanks, Paula. Thanks, Jimmy. You know, it's been a long week. But you know what? I can't say this real. I mean, I've never really missed a Sunday because I kind of have to be here. But anytime I am and I'm tired, I leave more refreshed than when I came. It's all true. You know, it's the way it is. And I think that's what it means. Colossians 3.23 again says, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord. I'm going to ask you, what are we doing? What are we doing? What do we need to change? What does God need to create within us once again to get us excited about God, excited about church, excited about going back into the world, about not being afraid to tell that coworker or that neighbor or somebody else about who Jesus Christ is and maybe inviting them to church and saying, you need to come with us, especially on a day like today when we have food and we got other things going on. It's going to be great. We're going to have fun. We're going to fellowship. What does God need to recreate in us?